The church cannot function without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 came because the prophet prophesied in the book of Joel. And Jesus says, I'm going to leave you, but I won't leave you by yourself. I'm going to send a comforter that will come. And the people of God, the church, are together. It's Pentecost. This was the sermon I was supposed to preach on Pentecost, so y'all going to get it today. The day of Pentecost was probably one of the most phenomenal and important events in all biblical history. It was the coming of the Holy Spirit. It was the birth of the Lord's church. It was the corporate feeling of the Holy Spirit to the body of believers that was promised by Jesus. But most of all, it was the personal feeling of every personal individual of the Holy Ghost. Watch this, gifting and equipping them to proclaim the message of salvation. Let me just say this to you. The church cannot be the church and you cannot do what you do for the church, for Jesus, without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't care how good you sing. I don't, I don't care how good you dance. I don't care how good you, you preach or whatever. N none of that matters because if you don't have the Holy Spirit functioning, living, dwelling, and aiding you in that process, it is no longer ministry. It is a personal performance. And that's the difference. Because some people aren't as gifted vocally. There's someone else who's more gifted. But I promise you, if this person who is less gifted has more power, then the runs and the riffs of the vocally gifted will entertain you, but it won't touch you. And so tonight, we discover that the people of God are in that upper room because they're waiting. They're waiting for the power and the presence and the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Here is the problem. 
The problem is, is that most Christians are weighted down, bogged down between somewhere between Calvary and Pentecost. And, and here's the problem. The problem is many of us have been by Calvary to get our sins pardoned, but we have yet to stop by Pentecost to receive power to do what we've been called to do. And so you might be pardoned, but are you powerful? And what we cannot be guilty of is being a church that is pardoned with no power, who can't lead other people to be pardoned. And so while you brag about, about your longevity of church membership, do you have power? While you dote and brag on what position you hold, do you have power? When you brag and dote on how much you give or how long you've been a member, here is the big question. Can you pray for those who need prayer? Can you lead those who are lost to salvation? Can you minister and speak a word of hope and salvation and, and speak life into those who are down? Because I keep telling you folks that God is not impressed with your church resume. Because that means nothing when you get before, the, before, the, before him as your righteous judge. Do you, do you have power? Pentecost was the celebration that took place on the 50th day after the Passover and the first fruits. Pass out the Passover feast, rather, represented the death of Christ. First fruits represented the resurrection of Christ. The disciples, watch this, had been deliberately, deliberately prepared and praying for the coming of the Holy Ghost. I told you before, God said through the prophet Joel, it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, which means this, you don't have the right to dictate who God can and cannot use. You, you can't say who can preach, who can't preach. You, you can't bring up your isms and schisms and bad theology out of context to say, a woman can't preach just because you don't properly contextually read the Bible don't mean God can't use who he desires to use. And, and, and the truth be told, if God can use you, he can use any, any, anybody. John, John said, I, I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In that upper room, Jesus identified the Holy Spirit as a person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
And again, it's important because one of the biggest mistakes, especially conservative black Baptist people you make, is that we interpret the Bible based upon pulling one scripture out without proper context. And then you say stuff like, well, um, I know what the Bible says, but, or uh, I, I, I hear you, but the way I was raised or the way I was taught, and I, and I say this with the utmost respect, no one cares how you are raised or how you were taught. What, what is proper is what does the Bible say in context? Because you can always pull stuff here and pull stuff here to fit your argument. But is it, is it in context? And in the book of Acts in chapters one and to the disciples have been waiting and praying for the promise of the Holy Spirit to manifest itself. Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem. And in spite of the danger that they faced, guess what? They were obedient to their savior, Lord and master. They waited. Jesus told them to be his witnesses. But guess what? They could do nothing until the power of the Holy Ghost showed up. Maybe you are gifted, but maybe you are stagnant because you have no power. Because you are going ahead of God and you've yet to receive that unction and power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1 is where we'll hang out. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. I, I love the I love the NIV version, but uh permit me to be Baptist for a minute and just regurgitate from my head the good old King James Version. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with, with, with they were they, they were all with one accord in one place. And guess what, folks? They were a people united. They 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 they, they were a they were a united people. That's what they were. Verse one says, they were all together in one place. They were united in their preparation. You know why? Because the text says, that the, well, literally history says that they had been locked up in one room for 10 days having a prayer meeting. That's what awakens the power of God in you. That if you don't have a strong prayer life, don't expect God's power to be 
active in your life. You got to pray. So Paul told Timothy, literally, I know your mom, I know your grandmother, it, it, it's in you, but you got to stir it up. Yeah. And you stir, you, 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 you stir that gift up because you have an active prayer life. Not just when it's time to perform at church. Or it's your time to sing, your time to preach. Now, you, you ain't prayed all week long, but now you want to spend Friday and Saturday shut down from the world. No. It means that your prayer life has to be active daily. That you 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 are you are trying to stir that gift up with an active prayer life. Because you know when you stand before the Lord's people in whatever capacity, you want to be under the unction and the auspices of the Holy Ghost. You, you, you literally want to be the puppet on the string in the hands of God. You, you want to be that puppet and you want that you want the Holy Ghost to be that 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 string in the hand that literally, watch this, allows you to do whatever he desires you to do. Because here it is, when the Holy Ghost takes over, you can't control what you do. That they were, they were on one accord. In their participation, they were united. They were in one place. They were all together. And in the words of Lee Edward Fields Jr., they were inside together. And they were together inside. The problem with the church today is we are inside together, but we are seldom together inside. Why do you think the church is always splitting? First Baptist, Greater First Baptist. Mount Nebo, Greater Mount Nebo, First Greater Mount Nebo, Second Greater Mount Nebo, Third Mount Nebo in the Heights. Because people bring their different agendas that has absolutely nothing to do with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And so you want a powerful church? No, here it is. Here it is. No, no people will always agree 100%. But the one thing that the church ought to be 100% agreeable on is we want the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost in our life and in our church. Yes, you may want red carpet and you may want blue carpet. Yes, you may want her to be the president. Yes, you may want him to be the president. Yes, you may want him to be the pastor. Yes, you may want her to be the pastor. We get that. We, we, we get your different political agendas and your cliques. We get all of that. But the one thing we ought to be able to agree on is this. 
that when we come together, we want to feel the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. In that upper room, guess what? There were no secret or hidden agendas. In that upper room, guess what? It wasn't what they thought or what they wanted. The only agenda was set by Jesus himself. And what if the church, not just lions, what if, what if the Lord's church, the universal church, would get back to praying? What, what if the Lord's church, here it is, would submit their will to God's will? What, what, what if the church said, God, it doesn't matter what we think or what we want. We, we submit ourselves to your will, to your will, because we want to feel your power and your presence. And the churches today have become lukewarm. We ain't hot, we ain't cold. Remember, that's the church he spit out. They, they were together in their presentation. The, 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 the disciples, or the apostles rather, hadn't, they, they, they forgot their personality conflicts. That they had forgiven wrongs that they had committed against each other. See, it's hard to have the Holy Ghost come in when you can't stand her. It's hard to pray for and anticipate the power of the Holy Spirit if you hate him. Yes, black suit and all, white dress and all, tither and all, preacher and all, singer and all, usher and all. It's hard to pray for the Holy Ghost and say you function in the Holy Ghost. And, and, and here it is. If you write and write this down or tweet this or, or quote me on this, guess what? The Holy Ghost never fights himself. Now, we may disagree on certain things, but the God in you can't fight the God in me because God never fights himself. They were united in the purpose, watch this, of presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that the church has really forgotten why we're here. We're so busy with this day and that day and trying to raise money for this and who's going to run this and who's going to head this and who's going to be in control over here and you trying to hold on your little power and position. You've forgotten what the church is really for. The church is not to make you important or a superstar or for you to be on no power trip 
or for you to click or for you to hurt folk or run folk away. The church has one purpose at its core, and that is to present the gospel of Christ to those who are lost that they might be saved. Am I doing all right? They were focused. And guess what? The Holy Spirit showed up because the people were unified. And I probably will take pastoral privilege and say that probably was the first and the only unified church. I'm sure the church probably hasn't been unified since that day. Because whenever you have personalities and egos and narcissistic thoughts and what I think or what I believe and I, I feel this way and I, I, you know, I was thinking and guess what? God says, that's the problem you thinking. You feel. You believe. But this ain't about you. It's about me. And the Holy Ghost again showed up because the people were unified. What, what, what could the church do if people would just come together and say, Lord, your will be done in my life and your will be done in the life of your church. And I believe that the average church, especially black Baptist church, we have forgotten that the church belongs to God. We, 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 we're so busy with our longevity and our, and even some preachers and pastors and people, we have forgotten that the church is not for us. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And I believe we've gotten away from that. Watch this. It's our family's church. Our family been in this church 50 years. You know you've heard that. I ain't leaving. This is my church. She can leave. I ain't leaving. This is my church. And the problem with that is this. We're guilty of coming to a man's house and we didn't invite him. What I want, what I think, what I say, how I feel, what I believe. And God is saying, maybe one day y'all invite me to church. Maybe, maybe, maybe one day y'all will get around saying, Come on in and have your way. Do what you want to do as long as you want to. Have your way, Lord, have your way. And we ain't, we ain't doing that because everybody got their own hidden agendas. Everybody got their own isms and schisms and bad theology on who God can use, who can be in the pulpit, who shouldn't be up there. Who can sing, who can pray, who can't, who's worthy, who's not worthy. Here it is. If you're worthy, anybody's worthy. 
But then we see a powerful auction. Listen, listen, church. Um, There was this, there was this power that was permeating because verse two says, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They were, they were controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit. They, they were controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit. The mockers thought that they were drunk. Who's controlling your tongue, your walk, your talk, the attitude, the disposition, your ministry? This power was personal. Because verse 3 says, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. Watch this, cloven Separated, stir up the gift. That's that's what you want. You want you want the Holy Spirit to permeate the atmosphere, but you also want the Holy Spirit to live and dwell and function in you personally. Yeah, you want that. You you need that. Because whatever you do, it has to be done under his power, his direction, his function. You can't greet, you can't, you can't, you can't usher, you can't preach, you can't read scripture, you can't say a prayer, you can't read a song, you can't pass the people, you can't, you can't do anything. You, you can't leave the children. You, you can't do nothing, anything. You, you can't do it. Because again, without him, you're performing. And the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in a Drama goes to. Are you a nominee? <laughs> and the Best Supporting Actor in a Miniseries at the Church House goes to. Talking about you? Because guess what? We we know when you've been praying. We can feel it. We, we, we know when God is on you and what's in you is coming out of you. We know. We, we can feel it. I, I don't care if your voice is shot. We, we, we can feel it. We, we, we don't care if you have a bad day, you don't feel good. And usually 
on my weakest moments in preaching when I don't feel well is when God does the most. Because when I don't feel well, I'm not relying on what I know or what I what I studied. I'm I'm totally dependent on God because my head hurt. I, I don't feel good. My body's hurting and I'm weak. And guess what? Then I am wholeheartedly in the master's hands. And now he can use me as he pleases. It was personal. But guess what? This was practical power. Verse 4, verse 4 says, and, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them or gave them utterance. The filling of the Spirit was for the purpose of witnessing. I've raised this question for years and I'll raise it again. With your, with your, with your good church resume of being pastor, assistant pastor, usher, um, deacon and whatever else we hold, we, we got so many titles and roles in the Baptist church that half of them we ain't doing right no way. But beyond all of that, here is the big question. Who will be in heaven because of you? Who have you witnessed to? Who have you shared the love of Jesus Christ with? Because if that title is your whole claim to fame, ain't nothing to that. Everybody got a title. You can, you can, you, matter of fact, the janitor got a title. And, and I'm being disrespectful, but, but, but if you want to be fancy, you can, you can call him the sexton. Fancy title. Sexton. Oh, who, who, who is he? He's who? He's our sexton. What, what does he do? Sweet. But, but it sounds good. Titles mean nothing. As, 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 as learned and as close to Paul was to Christ, it was always I, Paul. I, Paul. A servant. Because that's the greatest title. Servant. Who have you led to Christ? Who, who, who will be in heaven? What, how many folk will get to heaven and say, I'm here because of her? She saw me in the nail shop, the beauty shop, or the salon, or he saw me in the park. And he introduced me to Christ. And guess what? Even if you did not introduce them to Christ in that moment, if you planted the seed, guess what? You are responsible for the harvest. Stop inviting folk to church. And invite them to Jesus.
who who will be in heaven because of you? Who who will be there? Who be who who will be there because of you? All the rehearsals you made, all the sermons you prepared, all the notes you took, all of the meetings you officiated. Who will be there because of you? The text says other tongues. In context, it means in other languages. The disciples were supernaturally witnessing and preaching in the different, to the different nationalities gathered together. And that's the miracle of Pentecost. That you have people from different nations, but everybody could understand each other in their native tongue. I'm done. I, I'm going to let you go early tonight. We have a universal proclamation in verse 5. A universal proclamation. And there were, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem devout men out of every nation under heaven. I'll read, I'll read it again, because I want you to get this. And there, now there, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Don't miss this church. Salvation is not racist. And salvation is colorblind. In my home church, my late pastor who baptized me, John, John Lewis Valley from Carfax, Louisiana, Nikki's hometown. Big John was about six foot five. Reminds me of Pastor West with that height. And Big John was a was a straight quartet guy, straight quartet singer. And he would sing this song that th this this is when the church actually shouted. Y'all don't shout no more. The equivalent, the, the, y'all shout not by just standing up. That means you feel good. You, 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 you just stand up. I'm, I, if you can go back to when the church used to shout and you had the motherboard over there and then reverend would sing, pastor would sing and preach and then they would just, I mean, I mean, go in, wig sideways, purse gone, support holes, gone, shoes off, and they would just lock up on you. Just just get, get stiff. 
I'm talking about the shouting where you need to have the, the spelling sauce or you, you, you had to take the shoe off and put it under the nose. Y'all, y'all too young for that. And John was singing this song that would always send my grandmothers and my aunts in when all of God's children get together. What a time. What a time. And then he'd get on that part, we're going to sit down by the banks of the river. And then he'd drive it. We're going to sit down. We're going to sit down. And one day, all of us, Greek, Jew, Gentile, we're going to sit down. Verses 8 through 11, we don't, you don't have to put it up, Miss. I'll, I'll just, uh, I'm going to back out easy, let you go. In verse 11, we hear them speaking in our own tongue. That's what we do. Speaking the mighty deeds of God. He was born, did miracles. Died, rose, early. I want to have power. I don't want to perform. I don't want to do this just to hear my colleagues say, oh, Doc, he dumped the house. Oh, Doc, he killed. I want to do this, what I do, because I want to get that text or that email or that message that says, you helped me. And it was for me. Because I've preached sermons and I thought, God, I missed it, man. Because we know when we don't do well. Y'all may not tell us, but some of y'all do. But the rude ones y'all do. But we know when we don't feel effective. Like I, I could have drove this part a little bit harder. I could have explained this a little bit more in depth. And then I, I've dismissed church thinking, God, I missed it today. And then somebody will come in my in the line and say, Paz, you helped me. Or how, how did you know that I was going through that? That was for me. And, and guess what? The whole church don't say it. And that's okay. But if that one person was helped, then God's job and God's will was done. Don't, don't do this for self-indictment. Don't do this for folk to pat you on the back. Don't do this to be a superstar in church. Do this because you want to help somebody along the way. And do it knowing that the only way you can do it properly and successfully, because here it is, God's success and the world's success are quite different. We judge successful church by 
how many services, how big the building is, how big the crowd is. But, but, but what if the crowd is full of immature people with itching ears who don't want to hear the truth? And what if Reverend so-and-so's church, here it is, ain't growing numerically, but the hearts and the mind of the people are growing. And we say stuff like, oh man, his church is small. No, he may have small numbers, but if his people are disciples of God and reading and studying and praying and internalizing God's word and following him as he follows Christ, guess what? He has a big church. Because all big churches aren't powerful churches. All with big buildings and a bunch of numbers, it don't mean that they're powerful because Paul says the day will come when men will have itching ears. They, will, they, they don't want to hear sound doctrine. And guess what? That day has come where church folk don't want to hear the truth. Reverend, entertain me. Shout me. Sing me happy. Hoop me happy. Holler me happy. But the whole time you in your lesson, I'm going to be in the bathroom. I'm going to be in the hallway. I'm going to be outside. I'm going to text. I'm going to be on Facebook. I'm, I'm going to tweet. I'm going to be on Instagram. And when you cut that corner and drop your voice and say, and uh, oh, now it's come on, Doc. No, Negro, you've been quiet the whole lesson. You know why? Because you don't want to grow. You happy being small. You happy being on milk. You happy being a mediocre, immature, finite, limited, nemic Christian. You happy. All you want to do is shout, have a praise break. That's all you want to do. And we judge successful ministry and growth of a church by who, who have the most praise breaks? Who, who, who got the biggest church? Who got the most numbers? No, give me a small church with people who want to grow, who know God, who will follow me as I follow him, who study and read God's word, not just on Sunday and Wednesday, but every day we can make some stuff happen. As opposed to we got 10 services Packed out and don't nobody know nothing. And everybody's there is easily offended. Can't say nothing. Can't make a mistake. Can't say this. Can't say that. Because everybody in their little feelings. Want to be a powerful church? Be a spirit-led church. Stop talking about what we want, what, what, what I feel. And say, God, I'm available to you. Use my hands. Use my tongue. Without God, I could do nothing. 
Without him, I would fail. Without God, my life would be rugged. Like a ship without a sail. So again, are you a performer? Or do you have that power? And I end on this note. Don't be like that fellow who brought his son to Jesus. And the father thought that they could do what Jesus was doing. Because they were close to him. They hung out with him. They traveled, ate, and preached with him. Brought his son, demon possessed. And Jesus comes out the mountain. He hears the chaos and says, what's going on? And the daddy says, man, I brought my boy to these jokers because I thought these were, these were your boys. And I thought they could do what you did. All that time they had spent with Jesus. And they still had no power. How many years have you spent in church? And you brag about that. But do you have any power? Because power don't come from being a member of Lions Unity five years, 10 years, 40 years. It comes from praying and being led by the power and the function of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus really was bothered. He insulted those boys. And then he says, this kind only comes through prayer. When they asked him, why couldn't we do what you did? And he answered them, this type, this kind only comes through power. You want to be effective? Pray. You want to be powerful? Pray. You, you want your ministry or your gift to open doors for you? Pray. You, you want to stand up and be bold for Christ and don't care what folk think or say? Pray. And when you do that, God can take you and he'll be the puppet master and you'll be his puppet. And I promise you, God will do things in you, with you, and through you that you can never expect. But you have to yield your will to his will. You have to yield your way, your thought, your direction to his. Because you might want to go left and God said, no, I want you to go right. You might want to sing. And God said, no, I want you to preach. And maybe you ain't preaching because you're a female and you're scared what they're going to say. The folk who say you can't preach probably can't even quote John 3.16. The folk who tell you what you shouldn't do in church are folk who probably couldn't even 
teach a written out Sunday school lesson. Stop listening to people. Listen to God. And don't miss God's assignment on your life, fearful of what they will say. Well, I ain't qualified. Here it is. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. When God calls you, he qualifies you. Past and all. Sins and all. Jail and all. Outside kids and all. Alcoholic and all. Drug addict reformed, delivered and all. Prostitute and all. Everybody God used had some issues. He, he, had, he had the roughest crowd. Untrained, unlearned. Thieves, deniers. Mary Magdalene was so deep and rolled so hard with him. She was a prostitute. But guess what? When everybody else left the cross, guess what? That's where she was. Don't let your past mistakes make you think God can't use you. Again, none of us are called qualified. But when he calls you, he qualifies you. Ask Moses. No, I can't go down there. I can't talk. Can't talk. Every excuse you use for not being able to do, God says that's your problem. You are trying to do it in your own strength. And you will fail miserably every time. Let me do it. Give it to me. And I'll take you. And I, I'm amazed in my own life. A little boy from Alexandria, Louisiana. My first church in Poland, Louisiana. No one knows what that is. If you aren't from there. It's between Alexandria and Marksville. But God took that little fellow and has allowed him to preach in pulpits and for people he idolized. Never known that God would say, I'm going to put you right there. When you yield, he'll use you. He'll blow your mind. I love you, church. I pray that you would help and bless by the word of God.